0: Jesus is real. power in Your name. in Jesus is
1: Jesus functions as a sacrificial substitute for us. We deserve death. Jesus took it in our place. And we say amen and thank you, God, to that. Because if you do not allow Jesus to take it in your place, you are saying, I want to bear it myself. And guess what? The wages of sin is death. You do not want to bear that. If someone will die in your place, you say thank you, especially when it's God's own son.
0: All sin deserves punishment, and that punishment is death. Every wrong you commit is subject to this. In the Old Testament, God offered an option of letting a sacrifice be made in your place. An innocent animal's blood was exchanged in your place. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that the ultimate sacrifice was already made for you, Jesus. When you accept him as taking your place, you're no longer guilty. You're no longer condemned to death. Now, here's Pastor Daniel Exodus chapter 28, as he continues his message, Consecration.
1: So the priests get this public washing. That's what they get. It's literally, they're getting washed in public, and then they are getting dressed. First Aaron with all the different things, then his son's with all the different things. And notice, there is once again the pouring on of oil that we saw before. And now we see it again in verse 7. Pour it on his head and anoint him. Symbolic once again of God's anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice that it says, the priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. That's in verse 9. So, the tribe of Levi, Aaron and his sons, they were given by birthright the priesthood. Okay? And that's also why Jesus of the tribe of Judah in the book of Hebrews is called a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Because Jesus wasn't of the priestly tribe, he was of the kingly tribe of Judah, but he still functions in a priestly office. And so if you've read the book of Hebrews, you see he's a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And that refers us back to the book of Genesis. If you were here with us many moons ago when we were in Genesis, we talked about how Melchizedek received an offering from Abram after the conquering of the kings. So we have to remember that that the Levites are given to the Lord for the priesthood and the people receive the benefit of their ministry. Now in verse 10 we see this whole atonement ceremony. It says this, you shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, verse 10, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall make some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your fingers and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take All the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. You shall also take one ram and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around on the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails at its legs and put them with its pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord." Verse 19, you shall also take the other ram and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram and shall take some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tip of the right ear of his sons, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood all around the altar. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons and on the garments on his sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hallowed and his sons and his sons garments with him. Also, you shall take the fat of the ram, the fat tail the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys, and the fat on them, the right thigh, for it is a ram of consecration. One loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. You shall receive them back From the hands and burn them on the sweet, on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a sweet aroma before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. Verse 27. And from the ram of the consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering, which is raised, of that which is for Aaron, and of that which is for his sons, it shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever. For it is a heave offering, it shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, that is, their heave offerings to the Lord." All right, does that make sense to everybody? was like, okay. Pretty much what you get in this consecration ceremony from verse 10 to 28 is in verses 10 to 14, you get what is called the sin offering. We're going to see all of this again at greater depth when we get into the book of Leviticus. The very first series we're going to do is going to be called sacrifice. And we're going to look at each specific sacrifice. It's much more amplified than here. But first you get the sin offering. Notice that the sin offering... Aaron and his sons lay their hands on the sin offering's head. Why? Because it's a way of identification. It's saying, look, we are taking our sins and we are transferring it to this animal that's going to die in our place. Now, if you've been around the Bible at all, you realize that the cross of Jesus Christ, that is exactly what happened. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the idea is that when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are transferring our sin onto Jesus. And that is why Christians for 2,000 years, those who truly believe the word of God, we say Jesus is the only way because by believing in Jesus, by believing in Jesus, our punishment for our sins has been removed from us and given to Jesus in our place. Jesus functions as a sacrificial substitute for us. We deserve death Jesus took it in our place. And we say amen and thank you, God, to that. Because if you do not allow Jesus to take it in your place, you are saying, I want to bear it myself. And guess what? The wages of sin is death. You do not want to bear that. If someone will die in your place, you say thank you. Especially when it's God's own son. So that's the sin offering. It was brought to atone for Aaron and his sons and their Past sins. You would lay your hands on their head, transferring their sins to the sin bearer. And then ultimately, the bull was slaughtered in the presence of the Lord as an act of appeasement. Now, verses 15 to 18, you get what is called a burnt offering. Now, the burnt offering, one of the rams, again, lay your hands on their head. This was completely offered to the Lord. The priest didn't get to partake of any of it. The entire animal, as a burnt offering, was given to the Lord. Now, of course, there were two rams. The second ram you get in verses 19 to 21. Now, some of this was the blood was sprinkled on the altar. But what's interesting now, when you look at verses 19 to 21, that the blood of the second ram, notice, was not only put on the altar, but it was also put on the right ear, the right hand, and the right big toe of the priest. Now, I'll be honest with you. This sounds pretty nasty, doesn't it? It's a symbolic ritual. The idea here is the blood on the ear, the right hand, the right big toe. Now, the first question everyone says is, why the right hand? And the answer is quite simply that the predominant preference of most people is right-handed. I think it's only about 12% of the people in the world are left-handed. So, 88% of the world is right-handed. It's not because you left-handed people are weird, but you are.
0: No, I'm just kidding, (laughs)
1: Someone's like, I can't believe you said that. I'm not banded. (laughs) No. Most people are right-handed. Nine out of ten people. So the idea of putting on it's on the predominant side. But think about where it goes. The ear, the hand, and the foot. What's it symbolic of? The things you take into your ears. You should only hear of things that are righteous. The things you put your hand to. The work that you do. And of course, your feet. What you involve yourself in. Where you walk. All of these parts. And the idea is that the totality of the priests need to be touched by the blood of the sacrificial lamb. And it's a good application now, isn't it? Do we allow ourselves to take in things that are not set apart by the blood of the lamb? Don't get me wrong. I don't believe that we should be, you know, hanging out in a cell and not wanting to hear anything but listen, if all you do is watch movies with expletives, you're going to start thinking in expletives. That's just what happens. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. If you're around people and all they do is talk nasty stuff, you're going to think about nasty stuff. It's the way, it, it's the way life is. So we have to be careful what we put into our ears, what we put our hands to. We need to be set apart by the blood of the Lamb. Where we walk, once again, it's very, very important, as unto the Lord, and then, verse 22 to 26, we get the wave offering, and then we get the heave offering. So these are all different types of sacrifices that were part of the very complex Levitical system of sacrifices. And we're going to talk about all this, so I wanna, I'm going to thank you for your grace, because once we get into the first six or seven chapters of Leviticus, you're going to have a chapter on each one of these offerings, And so rather than slowing down now when we get to Leviticus, I'll explain to you all the details, how they're different, and all that stuff. But each one of these offerings go on. Now in verse 29, it says this. It says, And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them. That son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days, when he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Then Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in, its, in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the consecration offerings or of the bread remains until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer a bull. Every day is a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. Now, what this teaches us is that there was a week of preparation Before this could all begin. And after Aaron, his next son, it was a week of preparation. They wore the high priestly robes for seven days before they actually took the office. Why? One, I believe, is to prepare the incoming priest. That he gets used to the fact of who he is now. Because the day before he became the high priest, he was just another of the sons of Aaron or the son of the high priest. Now, all of a sudden, it's a whole different responsibility. So for a week before, he was walking around. it, And I think also for the people, they would have been used to their high priest. Now they have a new high priest. And so for a week before they actually took office, you got a week to get used to the fact that there is a new guy. Now, we didn't even realize it, but in a lot of ways, we did that here at Crossroads with the transition from Pastor Bill to me. You know, I was here for a year and a half before I became the senior pastor so that everyone got a chance to get used to it. And some of you are like, you know, Pastor Daniel, was are still working on it. And I and I, <laughs> I don't blame you. You know what I mean? But, But the idea here is there's a preparation time. And I think there's a good application for us because oftentimes we want to jump headlong into something when God's like, look, you're in spring training right now. The Bible says that you shouldn't make a novice of the faith, an elder in a church. Why? Because there needs to be a a period where they are tried. They see what they're made of. Can they really do the job when push comes to shove? And it will come to shove sometimes. Can that person stand strong in their faith? So I want to encourage you, because I know there's a lot of people in here you are saying, look, I want to take the next steps with Jesus. I believe God wants to use me powerfully. And listen, I believe God wants to use you powerfully. But be faithful on the step that you're on. Because of the culture we live in, we believe that, well, I believe that I'm called and so just give me the pulpit. But you've never even like read your Bible straight for a a week, you know? Because we live in an entitlement culture. Like I got a degree, now make me the CEO, but I've actually never had a job. We live in a culture that runs that way and oftentimes there is this preparatory period. You think of David. David was anointed king years before he actually became the king. And he learned how to be faithful when he could have killed Saul, who was stalking him, trying to kill him. He could have killed him. He's like, I'm not going to do it in God's own time. And all of that prepared David to be the man that God had called him to be. But there is a preparation time. And we have to be okay with the fact that there is a preparation time. For you unmarried couples, that engagement period is an important period. Why? Why? Because it prepares you to learn what it means to be a married couple. You don't do certain things because you're not married yet. But are you faithful? You engaged young man, soon to be a husband. Are you spiritually leading the girl that you're engaged to? It's not just gonna pop up on the day you get married Well, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm a spiritual leader. No. See, these times of preparation are important. And so God puts it in here. It's, there's a week of preparation Before all this stuff happens. Notice, there's daily sin offerings. In preparation of a new high priest taking over, there was an offering for that priest every single day. It's almost like trying to get some forgiveness in the bank, so to speak, under that dispensation of what God was doing. But notice, the portion that Aaron and his sons were allowed to enjoy was not to be saved for mourning. So no mourning leftovers. Each day, because it's set apart for the Lord, if it wasn't consumed that day, it had to be disposed of. Because this is set apart for a special purpose. Now, finally, verses 38 to 46. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hand of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hand of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and you shall offer it with a grain offering and a drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt That I may dwell among them, I am the Lord their God. Now, this is beautiful, isn't it? There's two offerings every day in the morning and at twilight. Two lambs, each a year old, perfect. There's flour, oil, and wine. That was just normal food in that day flour, oil, and wine. Wine was the normal drink of that day about as common as water. For us, it would be the equivalent of soda pop. That's how normal it was. No, it wasn't non-alcoholic wine. But this was just a culture that it was. It was just part of the culture. Drunkenness was a problem in that culture. But because the wine was so common, people were just used to not drinking it to excess. It was a problem in some ways, but not in the same way. Very common. There's all of these offerings would happen twice a day. Twice a day. Now, A tenth of an ephah was roughly two quarts or two liters of fine flour. And a hen or a quarter of a hen was about a liter. So these aren't extravagant amounts of grain and wine, but it was a significant amount. And again, you have all these different offerings. You have the grain offering, the drink offering, and we're going to see all of these things. Twice a day, the sacrifice went on Every single day except for the Sabbath. So they are constantly seeing these sacrifices being offered. And notice, why is all this happening? Verse 43, And there I will meet with the children of Israel. The tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. And I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. So all this is going on for one reason, because the Almighty God wants to dwell in the midst of his people. That's why. All of this is God's desire for personal, intimate relationship. And that is why John's gospel, we've quoted a lot of times with this tabernacle series, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's John 1, 17. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the idea is that God became a man in the person of Jesus and dwelt among us. God's desire is to dwell with you. God does not want, to be seen as an absentee landlord who just kind of created everything, spun into existence and just letting it go and not worrying about it. That's not who God is. He wants to have the most intimate and personal of relationships with you. And that is exactly why Jesus came and died and rose again so that you may have God dwelling with you perpetually at all times. That's what he wants. That's his intention for your life. Not that he be distant, but that he be so close, closer than a brother. And all of this, the tabernacle, the temple, it was all a forerunner until God would finish his last sacrifice, the person of his son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me, for all who would believe. So if you're here tonight, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus you're missing out on the very reason God created you.
0: Jesus is real The rituals performed to consecrate Aaron and his sons as priests seem a little strange, but they were symbolic and appropriate for that time. These priests were avenues for sin to transfer to a sacrificial object or animal, Something innocent that would be killed in their place. Today you have Jesus for that. Pastor Daniel reminded you that by allowing Jesus to take your place in death, you have the chance at new life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on
1: Jesus' is real radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus. But I actually believe that there are many of you right now, as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources into your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400,
0: 51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will lay out the final details that God requested for the tabernacle. He'll describe the altar and some additional furnishings, what their function was and why they were important. He'll also remind you of the relationship and prayer your heavenly father wants to have with you. He loves to hear from his children. Even if you don't know what to say, spend time talking with God. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Tabernacle. Until then, may God bless.